Hello again. Good morning. And happy Sabbath. Hi, Delia. Thank you for... She's so attentive. So... Well, I have to say, uh, this morning has been quite an experience. It really has. I want to lift up prayers to Camille and Kim. Uh, Camille was originally scheduled to sing today to lead us in praise, and she had to back out a few days ago, and she uh, recommended her friend, Kim, to sing. So then she was to fill in and sing today, but she got sick, and she told me um, this morning that uh, she's unable to come, and she wouldn't want to spread her germs. So then comes Nathan, who I just call last minute, and he steps up. I also call Richard last minute, asking if he would be willing to play, and he sure did with the, uh, with the keyboard. And then on top of that, my father-in-law gets into that accident, who, which he was supposed to run the uh, slides while we were singing songs, and because he's unable to do that, then, Kel- uh, then uh, Karen Kelly steps in to take care of the slides. I mean, what is our series this entire five weeks? It's people saying, here I am. Here I am. And I feel like, is it a test from God as if to, to show us that within our church family, we're going to step up. And, and you guys did. You did. When the need is there and the call was there, you stepped up. You said, here I am. Nathan said, here I am. Uh, even Kim and Camille said, here I am. And, and Richard and, and Karen, others have said, here I am. That is a testimony to God's spirit. I don't think people would step up unless they felt the presence of God. And I just want to say, God be glorified for, for, the, for the passion that is in your heart. I want to say thank you to that. And so we do continue with, with our series today on Here I Am. And before I go into this portion of the message, I wanted to ask you to think about your most traumatic experience. Or maybe not most ex- the traumatic experience. Just think of a traumatic experience that you went through in life? What was that moment in your life? Maybe it happened back when you were a child. Maybe it happened just a week ago, this past week, or a few hours ago. What is that traumatizing experience that you had? For me, I've had many traumatizing experiences. Some of them are so horrific, you would think that it could only happen in Hollywood, But I won't get into that. If anything, I'll share one traumatic experience that I had, which is on a, I'll I'll share this because it's on a, it's on on a lower level in the sense of, of chaos. This traumatic experience that I had was when I was eight or nine years old. My mom had signed my sister, uh, my sister and I, she had signed us up for piano lessons. So we started to play piano. We had the same piano teacher. Uh, we were back to back. I would I would go first in in the, in the piano lessons, and then my sister would go next. At first, I didn't like playing the piano because I thought it was it was just pulling my attention away from other things like 
riding my bike or playing games at home. But as I learned how to play, and as I learned how to play music that I understood or knew, then my interest in piano started to spike up. The day of recital came. And so for recital, I was supposed to play two songs, Fur Elise, and I can't remember the last song, but Fur Elise by Beethoven was a song that was assigned to me to play during piano recital. I was so excited to play that song because I was practicing so many out for so many hours, and so finally, when my time came, I walked out onto that stage. I couldn't see any of the audience because there's a big bright light and anything after that bright light, everyone else was in darkness, right? I can only see the, uh, the people in the first few rows. So that, that, was, uh, that was a plus for me because the nerves were not as bad as I thought it would be. I got on the chair. I put my fingers on the keys and I started to play for Elise. And for a few seconds there, I, th- I was happy. I was excited. And then I made the mistake of looking away from the piano, and I looked into the audience. And at that very moment, I lost my place. I didn't know what was next. I tried my hardest to think what note came next, and I couldn't remember it and then that frustration of not remembering grew into into grief inside my heart i started to feel this 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 thing coming up and before you know it that thing burst out into tears and crying i cried so much i was so embarrassed because i was crying but i couldn't stop i couldn't stop crying for some reason i was just like oh no i don't know what to do next you know those moments, those embarrassing moments that really just happened maybe 30 seconds or 5 seconds, but it feels like it's a lifetime? It felt like a lifetime for me. It was such a traumatizing moment, and I think my mom picked up on that. I heard her get up. She ran down to the stage, and she embraced me, and then my teacher came out, and both women took me in the back. I'm hoping because they were feeling sad for me and not because they were embarrassed, but they took me in the back to calm me down. That was a very traumatizing moment in my life. You know what? How traumatizing? So traumatizing that I haven't played the piano ever since. Ever since. I have not touched the piano. Okay, I've touched the piano at home just playing a few keys, but in the, in the respect of playing it in front of people, can't do it again. And even to this day, as I come to preach, as I come to give a message, or if I'm giving a lecture to, to, to some, to some uh, hospital workers, even to this day, I get that fear in the back of my head. What happens if I forget my place while I'm preaching or teaching? Am I going to cry like I did when I was nine years old? No. (laughs) I better just pray that I remember where I left off. What was your traumatizing experience? What did your mind bring you back to? And the reason why I ask you to think about a trauma that you experienced in life is because what we're talking about today is Moses. 
And Moses had a very traumatizing story that I want us to explore today. Moses' story was filled with ups and downs. The, the key themes I want us to explore today are themes of trauma, number one. Number two is identity. Because of trauma, people sometimes lose their identity in the process. And then number three, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Before we go into Moses' story, let's do a quick recap and review. Two weeks ago, we started this series, Here I Am, with Abraham's story. And in Abraham's story, we saw that Abraham was blessed with faithfulness as he was tested by God, right? He learned that he was, uh, that he, he finally learned that he, he realized that, wow, I do trust in God. That regardless of what's going to happen, I believe God's going to provide something, a way out, which God provided a ram. And because of that ram being there, he did not go through in sacrificing his son. Then last week, we looked at Jacob's story. Jacob's story was full of deception. Jacob's story was full of deceit and and division within his family. But because Esau, Jacob's twin brother, forgave him, there was reconciliation. So Jacob was blessed with reconciliation. This only happened because both characters showed up. That's what it means to say, here I am. It means that you're deciding to show up when God calls you. When God calls you for whatever task, for whatever he has in store for you, when you show up, when you say, here I am, you get to bless others while you are also blessed. And that blessing is specific to you. And today, we're going to see that Moses is blessed with an identity. He lost his identity for a while. When we come to his story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, we see a man that's broken. We see a man who has been left traumatized by life's experiences. And we're going to go more into that on what those experiences were. We see a broken man in this story, so broken that God realized, I have to intervene. And so that's where we come to his story. God comes to Moses through the form of a burning bush. So Moses thought to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush, why is it on fire, but it's not consumed by the fire, is what he's wondering. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I wonder, I wonder, the Bible's not clear here. I wonder if he knew that that was God's voice. I wonder. Nonetheless, Moses said, here I am. He's telling God, I'm showing up. I'm here. What is it that you want me to hear? God continues on to say, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God wanted to emphasize the point that the person that is with you right now, Moses, is me, is God himself. Make no mistake about it. How do I know that there's no mistake about it? It's because God is telling him this is holy ground. A quick side note. 
just for your benefit, is that wherever God is, is holy ground. Exactly, Renee. Wherever God is, it's holy ground. It's a holy place. Is God in your heart today? Is Jesus in your heart today? Because if Jesus is in your heart today, guess what? You're hagiol, which means holy in Greek. You are holy if you have Jesus in your heart today. Jesus even said in the Beatitudes, the first Beatitude is what? Blessed are what? The poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what that tells me? Is when a person realizes they need God in their life, they're already one that is going to heaven. According to Jesus' own words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For where Jesus is, for where God is, it's a holy place. And so, I truly believe God is coming to Moses at this point to show him that you have been forgiven of your sins of the past, and now I am calling you to do a task. And what is that task? Well, read with me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Verse 10, God says, So now go, Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Then verse 11, we can see, we can hear, we can feel the brokenness of Moses. We can hear the trauma in Moses' response. In verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Have you ever found yourself asking that question too? That who am I that God should ask such a thing? Who am I? He's lost. I sincerely think Moses is confused to who he is. He's confused and why so? Why is he confused? I think we need to remember the context of his story. Moses had history with Pharaoh. He was running away from Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that Moses, here's where the trauma comes in, was one day when he grew up, up, it's in Exodus chapter 2 if you need the reference, when he finally grew up, Moses one day was observing, observing the construction of a building in Egypt. And he saw an Egyptian slave driver beating a Hebrew. Now, remember, what is Moses? Moses is an Israelite. He's a Hebrew as well. Though he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, though he is technically, you can say, a grandson to the king of Egypt, Moses, too, was an Egyptian in that regard. Though he never forgot that he was an Israelite, that he was a Hebrew. And so when he saw this Egyptian man striking down that Hebrew slave, for a glimpse, Moses had sympathy for that Hebrew slave that he, according to the Bible, looked to his left, looked to his right, and struck down that Egyptian slave driver. Struck him down. The Bible tells us that he killed the man and then he hid him in the sand. Hid him in the sand. Now, this was not just a a kill. This was murder. 
What's the difference between kill and murder? Well, I can be driving down the street. The tire of my car pops. And because of the loss of control, I swerve onto oncoming traffic. And my car hits another car. And that driver of the other car dies because of what happened to my car. That's a kill, but it's not murder. It's an accident. Now, on the other hand, when someone thinks, premeditates, plans, creates a, a plot on how to kill someone, then that's murder. What does the Bible tell us? In Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, it tells us specifically that Moses looked to his left, looked to his right, and when he saw that no one was looking, he proceeded to kill that Egyptian slave driver. Patriarchs and prophets tells us that Moses acted harshly. That he had done something that his forefathers had done before him, taking matters into their own hands. Now, I've never killed anyone before on purpose or by accident. I don't know what that's like. But what I have heard in the news or watching YouTube or hearing the, the confessions or the, um, the stories of soldiers in warfare... Regardless if it's your first kill or your third kill or your tenth kill, it doesn't sit well for the soul. Right? Your chappie would understand that because he's a military chaplain. He, Dave was in the military. It doesn't sit easy with the soul. There's going to be some type of trauma that stays in there. And I think that's trauma experience number one for Moses. He now has spilled the blood of a man. Regardless of it, if it's Egyptian or, or Hebrew. Now trauma number two comes immediately after that, that story is when he is once again looking at the construction site. And this time the argument is not between an Egyptian and a Hebrew. It's between two Israelites and him being an Israelite as well, he thought, hey, I can serve as a medium for these two people. He tells them to stop fighting. The one that's guilty in starting the fight asks Moses, who made you ruler and judge over us? What, are you going to strike us down too like you did the Egyptian man? Oh, so when Moses heard this, when Moses heard this, he got scared. So there was a witness Secrets out. But I think trauma number two for Moses was not just that the secret's out. I think it's also the betrayal that he felt from his people, from his own people. I'm trying to help you out, yet you're going you're gonna to rat me out, and that's what they did. Because the Pharaoh finds out, and look what happens here. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this, the guilt of Moses killing an Egyptian man, he tried to kill Moses. He tried to kill Moses. Now who's in the right here, Moses or Pharaoh? Pharaoh's in the right. Because justice will prevail. The justice system of that time was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If you steal, then you're going to lose your arm. If you kill, you're going to lose your life. 
And Pharaoh, his grandfather, was living up to these rules. He needed to execute the, the law of the land, and it would be right for him to kill Moses. So I think that's trauma number three. Trauma number one, he takes a life. Trauma number two, he's betrayed by his own people. Trauma number three, the verdict of death has now been pronounced on him. And then trauma number four, it tells us that Moses flees. He runs for his life, for his safety. He runs away. He leaves Egypt and he goes to Midian. How is that a trauma? Well, have you ever been in a situation where you have to leave your family on a whim? Can't even say goodbye. The Bible doesn't tell us in great detail what his relationships were like in Egypt, but I would guess that he had some strong relationships. Family, friends, the assurance of the life that he was living, the security of his life, all gone in a whim. Trauma number four for Moses. What is trauma? I want to say this first and foremost. I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a degree in psychology, nor do, am I licensed or, or licensed or anything. But how I, I approach this with you today is as a pastor with experience with trauma, whether it was when I was serving as a teacher and we had students who were abused by their parents and we had to work with authorities, okay, and also my experience as a chaplain, I, I approach this topic with you at this regard. This information I got here from Newport Academy as well as ADAA. So trauma refers to an individual's experience during and immediately after a life-threatening or highly distressing event. That definition there tells us that trauma is very relative, It's going to be different for any person. It's not going to be the same for each of us because our culture, our life experiences are all different. Therefore, we're going to experience trauma differently. Like the example I gave you when I was playing the piano and I froze and I started to cry, that was traumatic for me, but someone here might not find that traumatic at all. And that's okay. It's different. We all handle Stress differently. Some of us may say someone might feel stress at this moment while the other one is not feeling stressed at all. That's because we all experience life differently. The number two, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is a longer-term condition where one continues to have flashbacks and re-experiencing the traumatic event. There must be a high level of ongoing distress and life impairment. Why would your life be impaired? It's because you're depressed. It's because you're sad to the point that you feel like you can't move on. Have you ever had that kind of trauma where you feel like you can't continue on? Some people have. In Moses' case, in Moses' situation, I would like to propose a theory. I think he was so traumatized, he had to stay out there in the wilderness in Midian for 40 years. He was traumatized by the four four traumas that he had experienced. He He was a broken man. He was scared. He was frightened. He was sad. 
That's the reason I believe he was in the wilderness for 40 years. That's impairment. He's left in such shock that he doesn't want to go back to Egypt and he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He has found new safety and perhaps it was false safety, I don't know, in Midian. There's no doubt that he definitely experienced number one. There's no doubt that Moses definitely experienced trauma. But I also believe he had PTSD because he couldn't continue on. Let's think about this for a second. Let's make it relatable to us as a church. Sometimes you and I can cause trauma to one another. Sometimes people leave church because they feel judged. They feel like they don't belong, so they decide to leave. Maybe there's a fight that happens in the church that ministries can't continue on because of the fight. Am I speaking something that you, are, that you can relate to? Because maybe you have seen it in a church you went to before. Or maybe something is happening here that I don't know about that maybe is happening here. There's some type of trauma. Trauma is all around us. And I have no doubt that you might have experienced several traumas in your life. What are some traumas that that come to mind? Well, war. War is a trauma. We see trauma whenever there's an active shooter that's mentioned in the news. That community is traumatized. There's trauma within here in the hospital. The hospital has trauma everywhere. In the ER, Bob, my father-in-law, experienced trauma today. Trauma will always be there with us. And I'm not giving you this message to scare you. If anything, I'm giving you this message to give you hope. That trauma, God knows how to use trauma. So when God called Moses to free my people from Israel, Moses' response was, but who am I that I should go back there? If anything, I'm a wanted man. Are you sure you want me to go back, God? Here's God's promise when Moses said, who am I? I think he was trying to get out of it. He was trying to get out of that responsibility. But here's what God said. It's a promise that God gives you as well. And what is this promise? It's in Exodus 3, verse 12. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. It's kind of sounds like an odd response by God when Moses says, who am I? And then God's response is, I will be with you. But it's not as odd as it seems. Let's go back to our mental, uh, our mental science, okay? <clears throat> ADAA points out that there are five factors against trauma, all right? And then I'm going to connect this back to God's promise. There are five factors to fight trauma. Number one, if you find yourself in a situation where you are traumatized, find support from people in your life on a continuous basis. And then also disclose your trauma to a loved one, to someone that you can trust. 
Maybe it's not a loved one. Maybe it's a chaplain. That's why they have chaplains in the military. That's why they have chaplains in the hospital and social workers, you know? And then number three, identify yourself as a, as a survivor as, one, as opposed to one that is a victim of that trauma. And then number four, find positive meaning in that trauma. How can it be turned into a positive learning experience? How can you benefit, which brings us to number five, how can you benefit another person that may be going through the same trauma that you endured? When I was a chaplain at Littleton, I would have to, uh, I was present in giving spiritual care or pastoral care to young parents who lost the baby. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not. And the thing that was difficult for me was that I've never had a child. So I can't completely understand what they're going through. And they would ask, well, I need to find a support group. Who can I connect with? The chaplains and I, our chaplain team and I, we learned that the best support for them was not their parents because sometimes they felt judged by their parents. Sometimes it wasn't even their church because some church members would say, well, what sin did you do to lose your child? You know, you know the best support group for, pe- for parents who lost babies? Other parents who lost babies. They knew how to speak the language. That's where you take trauma into something positive so that you can help another person. How does this connect to Moses? How does this connect to God's promise where God said, I am with you? Well, when God is with you, God fulfills all of these. This is science. And I'm trying to relate it to to make it relatable that it's also God. When God told Moses, I will be with you, what he's telling Moses is, I'm going to support you for the rest of your life. And you can always disclose to me how you feel, Moses. And then number three, you're a survivor in all of this, Moses. You have become stronger as you have become more broken. And then number four, God gives Moses a new meaning in his life. Your new meaning, you're going to take your trauma and you're going to use that trauma to free the people of Israel. You see what God is doing? And then number five, Moses, with me by your side, you can do all things. You'll be able to help others is what God says. And so we know the rest of the story. I mean, Exodus covers the entire story of Moses. We know his entire story after this. He takes that call. He tells God, I am definitely here. I will go to Pharaoh with your help, with the help of my brother Aaron, and with the help of Miriam. I will go there and I will say whatever you want me to say. And we know the story. The people were freed. Though Pharaoh was stubborn, the people were freed. The people ran for their life. 
And when the trials came, when they came in uh, upon that Red Sea and they thought they couldn't cross it, what did God do? He split that sea open for, for all the people to cross. What was it, on muddy land? On dry land. On dry land. See, God's promise is a promise that he does not only make to Moses, but he also makes with you and me. I will be with you through your trauma and in changing that trauma into a strength. For some time, I was always thinking, why did God show himself to Moses through a burning bush? It has to be specific. God doesn't do things by just chance or luck or or says hey i i i feel like i'm going to appear to this person in in this way no it has to be very specific there's a reason let's go back to that burning bush and i'm going to close with this thought that burning bush do you remember the qualities of it it was on fire but it was not consumed i believe that moses received this this sight of a miracle Because he was that burning bush. God wanted Moses to understand that you feel like you're being consumed by your trauma. That trauma is your fire, but you're not being consumed. You're on fire, but you're not burning up is what God is saying. That burning bush, it's you. That's what God is saying. You are that burning bush. There is no fire that can ever consume you. Though you may feel its heat, though you may feel its trials, though you may feel it it hurting, it's not going to consume you, is, is what God says. And why? It's because God promised that he will be with you. That's the thought that I want to share with you today. Moses' story is our story. Moses' story went trauma after trauma. And you, I don't know what traumas you are going to, uh, going through. But the hope that I want to leave with you today is Exodus 3.12, where God says, I will be with you. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for this person named Moses who through his life you have given us an example of how you are faithful. And because you were by his side, he got a new identity. He didn't have to be the tainted prince of Egypt any longer because when he accepted you in his life, he became the savior of Israel, to bring them out of Egypt. His identity was tied to his level of faithfulness in you. And so I pray and I hope that each and every one of us may follow his example in following you, O Lord, in remembering that you are by our side. And if you are by our side, then who can be against us? 
May we remember that we find our self-worth, we find our identity in you, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.